Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Good morning. And good morning to those watching online as well. We're so grateful that we can worship together. Thank you, Anne and the band and Pastor Jim and all of you who have led us this morning so far. Thank you. And I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Zach and everybody who stepped in last week when my family and I came down with COVID and could not be here. I'm grateful. We are blessed for the staff that we have, for the church that we have. A few years ago, several college students and I, we did some work over spring break with a new local urban farm in the community that we were in. We spent the week building relationships and planting fruit trees. We were doing repairs. We were getting to know people. It was a beautiful week of service. After the week, our local newspaper wanted to interview some of the students about the work that we had done. One of our students, Hannah, was a Christian studies major, and she was interviewed by the paper. As she met with the reporter, uh, she told me that he asked her for her biographical information, name, where she was from, what she was studying. And when she told the reporter that she was studying Christian studies, he said, what are you going to do with that? She said, I hope one day to be a pastor. And the reporter was baffled. (laughs) See, this reporter had never met a female pastor. (laughs) And he didn't understand how this could be possible. He had all these questions about what she was doing with her life and never got around to asking about the service project that we did together. Afterwards, Hannah joked to me. She said, I'm afraid the headline that he might put on this story is that a confused local woman planted some trees. And I'm grateful for Hannah's sense of humor in this situation, and I'm grateful for her patience, but I grieve. I grieve that she had to carry the burden of justifying her call to this reporter. And I grieve that the reporter missed out on the story of what God was doing. The work that God was doing at this urban farm and in Hannah's life. Because his own expectations, his own experience, got in the way. But that happens to all of us, doesn't it? If God really is the God of the universe... Won't it be difficult sometimes to fit him into the box that we might have for God? And what do we do when God stretches us? When his work might call us beyond what is comfortable, what do we do? When God might confront some of our assumptions, our biases. And we all have them, just from our experiences, what we've seen just yesterday. We took our four-year-old to the doctor for a checkup before she starts preschool. When she discovered that the doctor that was going to see her was a man, she said, wait, boys can be doctors? (laughs) She's never had a man as a doctor before. It was beyond her experience and her expectations. But aren't there times when we say, wait, God could use them? God could forgive them. 
God could forgive me. God might value them. We get back into the book of Jonah today, chapter 3. I'm grateful for Pastor Jim and his recap. It was excellent about where we've come so far in the story. We've talked about how Jonah is kind of like a mirror, that as we look into it, we have to look inwardly as well. We'll do that more and more in the next two weeks. Jonah has just been spit out of the fish. And that's where we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3, starting in verses 1 through 5. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, get up. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overturned. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth or burlap. Jonah finds himself on dry land, and Jonah gets a restart. It's almost the exact same language as chapter 1. It's that God has let go of everything that has gone before and gives Jonah a fresh start. Doesn't that say much to us about who God is? how God views our pasts as well. That yes, we have much to learn from what we've been through, but they don't have to be a source of shame. Let's move forward. Jonah gets a new start, and we hear about this city, Nineveh, an exceedingly large city. It says three days walk across. That's a big city. You can walk a long way in three days. The writer wants us to imagine the immensity of this town. But also, we want to discover that what Jonah does is Jonah went on a day's walk. Did you notice that? Nineveh takes three days to walk across. Jonah walks for a day. How many of you can get away with doing about one-third of your job? Not many. (laughs) And then Jonah preaches this message. Forty days more, Nineveh shall be overturned. What a sermon. In the original language, it's only five words long. Can you imagine if I preached for five words only? Some of you are like, yes, I would love a pastor that would just preach for five words. But really, the sum of his message is, you are out of luck. See, in the Bible, generally, when a prophet speaks, They say things like, thus says the Lord. It's how we know that they're sharing the message they've received from God. Jonah doesn't say that. Generally, when a prophet speaks, at the end, they declare what the people may be able to do, how to respond, what hope there might be. Jonah offers no hope. We see in chapter 3, That God has given a message to Jonah, but we don't know if Jonah actually shares the whole message. It seems like Jonah has done some editing. See, he despises the Ninevites. 
And the only thing he wants his enemy to hear is you're running out of time. Perhaps we can feel this way towards our enemies. And we may say in the room, we don't have enemies. If I were to ask you, who is your enemy? You might say, we don't. It's not like this time. We don't have enemies. We think perhaps we have grown beyond having enemies. Well, recent data tells us that if you just look at one category, political parties, the percentage of Americans who strongly dislike the opposition party members has gone up 400% in two decades. 400%. Another recent study in 2020 asked Americans how they felt toward members of the opposite political party. They said, you can rate them on a scale of 0 to 100. 0, I think nothing of them and wish them the worst. 100, they're my best friends. Where do you rate them? In one party, 48% of people rated all members of the other party as 0. And you are already thinking, that sounds right, that other party is so cruel. (laughs) I want you to know that the other party, 39% of them rated the other party as 0. It's all of us. As you can imagine, our biases and our frustrations can make it difficult for us to care for, to listen to, to seek the best for people who we might think are a zero. I use politics as an example, but it is not the only bias there is. No doubt, Jonah would have rated the Ninevites a zero. And his internal bias hampers his ability to obey in the world. Our internal biases always hamper our external obediences. So Jonah does the bare minimum that he can. He gives this message with no hope, only a third of the way into the city. He tries to manipulate God's message based on what he has already determined should be the outcome. May justice fall on these Ninevites and I'll just watch. And yet, (laughs) what is so surprising is verse 5 tells us that the people of Nineveh believed God. Jonah didn't even mention God. The people believe God. They proclaim a fast. Everyone, great and small, puts on sackcloth, the outfit of one who is mourning and turning from their evil ways. This is good news. That though Jonah's bias is impacting his obedience, God still does what God wants to do. And yet, Jonah is missing out. I don't want to miss out. Let's read verses 6 through 9. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth. He sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. No human or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Humans and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? 
God may relent and change His mind. He may turn from His fierce anger so we do not perish. The king does what people in power often do. He sees everything that's happening with the people around him, fasting, and he says, that's a great idea. In fact, it's my idea. He takes off his royal outfit, joins in with the sackcloth and the ashes, humbles himself, and then he pushes it even further. Even the animals will participate. Don't feed them. Don't give them water. They'll wear the burlap too. This is supposed to be funny. I have a 70-pound husky. I cannot prevent him from drinking out of the puddles or the toilet. I cannot imagine trying to get him to wear an outfit. Some people put clothes on their dogs. That's great. It is funny. My, my dog sheds a lot all the time. We were trying to figure out ways to manage this problem, and we found this product on the Internet. It's called the Shed Defender. This spandex suit you put on your animal to capture all the hair. I can't imagine trying to get my dog into this thing. The king says, put the burlap on all the animals. <laughs> this extreme, ridiculous example is to show us the lengths that the Ninevites would go to to change from their ways. These aren't empty words. They really want to turn from their evil ways, from the violence in their hands. God's love can create hope in places that seem hopeless. His justice can create change in places that seem irreversible. The Israelites, the people of Jonah, would never have expected the Ninevites to do that. <laughs> the king's statement is this rich theology of, who knows? See, God is not required to do what they want because they fasted. God is free to respond, and God does, in ways we might expect, in ways that we don't. Certainly, God has a valid case against the Ninevites, but who knows? See, the king seems to get that God cares, yes, about justice, but also is a God that might be merciful. That might have love for even them. Jonah reveals to us so much about the character of God. God is both just and loving. And not just to us. See, that's the thing about Jonah, isn't it? Jonah, in the belly of the fish, cries out for mercy for himself. But Jonah only wants justice for his enemies. Isn't that true for us too? Mercy for me, but fix them. <laughs> As good parents know, you need both. Authority and boundaries, and grace and compassion. Daniel Neary, in his excellent novel, Everything Sad is Untrue, says this, Love is empty without justice. And justice is cruel without love. God should be both. And if God isn't, that is no God. So the Ninevites change. They respond with action. 
They turn from their violence. They show their commitment more than we ever see happen with the people in the Old Testament. God's people. For example, look in Jeremiah 18, 11, and 12. We see a similar declaration against the people of God and their response. The text says, Now therefore, say to the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter shaping evil or shaping disaster against you, devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you from your evil way. Amend your ways and your doings. Verse 12, But the people say, It's no use. We will follow our own plans and each of us act according to the stubbornness of our evil will. (laughs) But the Ninevites, the Ninevites are transformed. They turn from their ways, not just with words, but with action, because perhaps, perhaps God is loving and merciful. And God is. They show us what belief can look like. The great spiritual thinker Dallas Willard says this, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. Here we find the Ninevites acting as if God's mercy is true, and it is. One writer says it like this, the people of Nineveh are not delivered because of Jonah, but in spite of Jonah. Jonah delivers a message of doom, but Jonah becomes the agent of God's salvation for those whom Jonah despises. Biblical stories remind us time and time again that God ignores our prejudices so the Spirit can move in unforeseen ways. The church still has people who think they know more than God about who is worthy of salvation, but God will not be limited by our criteria. God's message of salvation and deliverance is open to all. We are well advised not to get in God's way. I love how Callie Plunkett Brown summarizes it when she says this, Jonah challenges the perspective of the righteously indignant to put aside moral superiority Take on the character of God, whose mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Cycles of violence and blame can only be broken where mercy is extended. The only way forward for any of us is to demonstrate the same mercy that has been offered to us. God has offered us much mercy. God offered Jonah much mercy. He is unwilling to extend it to others. Are we? Are we willing to extend mercy, to be surprised by God's mercy, to have our expectations overturned? Jonah chapter 3 ends with verse 10. When God saw what they did, How the Ninevites turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. In the New Testament, Jesus quotes Jonah multiple times. It's interesting. I think partially because what we find in the book of Jonah is so much about the character of God. 
that God will surprise us and use surprising people and rescue people no one thought were worth rescuing. And we hear these echoes of Jonah's protests and other characters in the New Testament. I think about the Gospel of John where Nathaniel, a devout person, is told about Jesus and he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean that place. How he could have let that assumption keep him from going to meet Jesus. But Jesus would come and fulfill the demands of justice, but also share the fullness of God's love by going to the cross to defeat evil and death and make a way for all to be rescued and restored. Paul says it like this in Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law. That's everyone. So that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir. The only way forward for any of us is to demonstrate the same mercy that has been offered to us. So back to Jonah's sermon. In that little five-word proclamation, Jonah said, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be no more. Nineveh shall be overthrown. That word that we translate here, overthrown, you can translate it in two different ways. You can translate it as action done to Nineveh, that Nineveh will be overthrown or overturned. Or, you could translate it as Nineveh will turn itself over. The writer wants us to see that even in Jonah's angry short sermon, God does what God wants to do. And Nineveh turns itself over. Not in flame or destruction, but in transformation of character and action. So where might God overturn our expectations? Where might God surprise us? Where where we might think we're being overturned, do we instead find an invitation to turn around ourselves? To turn to God? The king says, who knows? And as Christians, we can say, we know. For God is merciful. And God is just. And God is love. And God is hope. And God brings transformation. And God surprises us again and again. My friend Jameson McGregor is a songwriter and he wrote a song called Wild One that I love. And I think it captures this idea so well. He says, God unbound your overwhelming. We built you a house 
But you keep moving. <laughs> Maker, you're not done making. We gave you seven days, but you're still forming. So form these broken bodies into gold. A greater love with a lighter load. God is not done with us yet. God is not done with me yet. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with the Baptist Church of Westchester. The maker keeps making. The former keeps forming. Are we willing to let him form us? This week as we go, ask God to reveal places that need to be stretched. To remove places of bias. To help us never see anyone as a zero. Because no one is zero to God. May we ask God to add love where we need love. Hope where we need hope. Justice where we need justice. Let us pray. God, I thank you that you care, that you love, that you sought out and worked among the Ninevites even in spite of Jonah. God, may we never be in your way. May we partner with you. Show us where we have made your promises too narrow where we have wanted grace for us, but not for others, where we have assumed the worst. May each of us, like the king with his robe and his crown, take off our biases, our sense of holiness, a holiness that is above others, and may we bow before the Lord. And may you surprise us. May you transform the Ninevehs in our world. May you transform the Nineveh in us all. We thank you, God. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.